are human beings. Humanity is what it is. It really doesn't matter. Uh, it seems as though whatever culture or whatever uh, time period we're living in, we as human beings try to change the way that God expects things to be. But I'm a firm believer that no matter what generation we in, whether it was Adam and Eve's generations, Noah's, Moses's, David's, uh, when Yeshua walked the earth, as the apostles are starting the church, uh, in the uh, Martin Luther with the Reformation, even now in our lifetime, the principles remain the same. And, and that, that's the funny thing is we watch uh, certain societies throughout time. We watch them rise and fall. And here we are as Americans falling for the same tricks and traps that all of these other prominent, rich, uh, powerful societies begin to plummet down because of the same uh, disobedient factor, the factor of disobedience to God's word. The city of Colossae was located, well, I don't want to go into that because in this one book I have three different distances. I, I don't know if these are typos or what, but in one book, his notes say, give me, uh, it was 10 miles from Ephesus, it was 20 miles from Ephesus, and it was 120 miles from Ephesus. So I'm not going to even get into it because all we have, and, and let me explain why uh, some things you have to just understand that they're commentaries. Because studying the way that I've been taught to study, uh, I, I will read several, uh, and when I say several, I'm talking like five to ten. I'll read five to ten different commentators frame of thought on a certain scripture. Uh, and since we're doing, like for instance today, we're doing second, uh, the second chapter of Colossians. Well, I read several different viewpoints, commentators, theologians, historians. I read about five to ten just to see what the basic, the basic mindset is. And for the most part, what you will find is in the commentaries, for the most part, what you'll find is most of the commentators say the same thing about all the, 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 the text. And the text, you have to understand, have historical value. Now remember that when you read the Bible. It, all of the scripture has historical value. Amen. So in other words, the reason that's so important is because we can't come right now in 2021 and come up with some brand new uh, interpretation of scripture. That's not safe. That's not safe or proven. But with the invention of the WWW, the World Wide Web, and all these homemade living room preachers, amen, everybody got a word for the law. But if you can't match it up with this Bible, the Bible says test the spirit. Actually, it says test the spirits. There's an S after that word uh, in 1 John. Test the spirits and see if they, of, of, they are of God. So what I like to do, what I was taught to do, go back and read historical uh, theological documents to see how these scriptures have been interpreted throughout time. Hallelujah. I'm not this big genius that can come up with any of this on my, on my own. Amen. Amen. So the historical value that these books have uh, is really mind-opening when you look at it and you can apply the historical values to our lives today. That's what we're supposed to do. Take the Bible, which is a Jewish history book, take what God has done throughout history with his people, and apply that in your life today. That's as simple as I can explain Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and look at uh, chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2. 
Once again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Amen. I think tonight I'm going to read from the New King James Translation. I'm going to point out some things in the Living, but I'm going to read it from the uh, New King James. Amen. In the New King James Bible, uh, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 1, he says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Now Paul is making a point there, specifically with this church of Colossians. Paul never actually went to Colossians himself. Uh, Epaphras is the one who started the church in Colossae. And Epaphras was visiting Paul in prison, getting his information to go back to give to the people in Colossae. So he says uh, subsequently in verse 3, he begins to say, uh, well, let me, let me read verse 2. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by the strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they may understand God's mysterious plan, comma, he gives an explanation after the comma. He wants us, because look at how he says it, that I want you, the people in Laodicea, to be knit together and to have the complete confidence and understand God's mysterious plan. So, comma, this is God's mysterious plan. Christ. <laughs> Jesus is God's mysterious plan. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ. And, and it, it goes right in what I was saying earlier. If, if we had to break scripture down into its lowest common denominator, it's simply a book that's given all generations, and all generations, all people would just live by the tenets and the commandments of God. The generations would basically last forever. But honestly, honestly, when we look at it, it really was never intended to last forever. When you really look at how God started, it really, after sin entered into the world, it wasn't meant to last. It was meant to last from the beginning. That's why the tree of life was in the garden. It was meant to last forever. But once sin entered in, this is not meant to last. We can't, honestly, we can't straighten it out. We can't fix it. It's not being pessimistic, it's just the truth. When sin entered into the world, it cannot be fixed. Jesus is the only cure. And accepting Jesus don't fix it, it fixes you. Hallelujah. It don't fix the world's problem. It fixes the person who accepts him as their personal savior problem. But the person who accepts Jesus as their personal savior, you still living in a dark, dim, degraded world. Remember the Bible says we're in the world and not of the world? So, the only way it's going to get fixed is when Jesus comes back the second time and restores everything to new. And we read about that on Sabbath, doing my sermons on Sabbath. We're doing the book of Revelations. So he says, Christ, in verse 3, says, In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And, and, and once again, that was the tree that was in the garden. Wasn't the apple tree? I we always say you bit the apple. Well, it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
Well, we know they already knew good because God stood out every, at the end of every day and said everything he made was good. So Adam and Eve knew good. <coughs> they just didn't have the experience of knowing evil yet until they bit of that forbidden fruit. Amen. Verse 4, he says, I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with crafty arguments. That no one will deceive you with crafty arguments. People that know how to make it sound good. Hallelujah. For through, I'm sorry, for though I am far from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should, and that your faith in Christ is strong. Once again, each of these letters, you notice that Paul commends the people. Uh, I really, I really, my eyes was really open uh, to the fact of when he wrote to the Thessalonians. When, when Paul wrote to that church in Thessalonica, that church had only been established anywhere from seven months to a year. It was a very, very baby church. And when I say baby church, I'm not talking about somebody who already knew about Jesus and they just went and started another ministry. We talk about people who didn't know nothing about the gospel according to Jesus Christ. Nothing at all. And within seven months to a year, Paul writes them back. And when you read First uh, Thessalonians, he gives them accommodation because he got the word back. I forget if it was Barnabas that brought the word back to him, but that how good they were doing under such intense persecution for being a little baby church. Young church. But they were doing, they were holding on to all that persecution. This is the same thing that he's doing here in Colossians chapter 2. He says that I, I rejoice that you are living as you should, uh, that your faith in Christ is strong. Now what he's really implying is that your faith in Christ is helping you to stand up against all the uh, persecution that you're under, all the false teaching. Let, let's go because he's going to talk about the false teaching. Verse 6, he says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Everybody say him. We must continue to follow him. Hallelujah. Uh, let your, verse 7, he says, let your roots. Well, let me read that out this one. Verse 7. Being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Being rooted. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. He's given us both spectrums of growth. He says here, let your roots, the strong part, the foundation. Now, what we have to realize about roots to plants and trees, things that go in the ground, all vegetation, what roots do is they grab onto the core, and the core is the earth. So the, root, the, the roots uh, of trees and plants and vegetation they grab on to the core, which is the earth. Uh, then he says, grow, well, let me read it out of the King James because it's so weird. He says that rooted and built up in him. Rooted and built up. Ah, both spectrums of growth. Be rooted on the good foundation and grow. Uh-huh, that's what trees do. Although the roots are underground, Trees, plants, vegetations, and everything, they grow up toward the sun, toward God. And that's what he's asking us to do. Have a good foundation. And watch this. He's saying, make sure you continue to follow Christ. In other words, he's saying, be like a root. Grab hold to the core and don't let it go. Hallelujah. Grab hold.
hold of Jesus and don't let go. He's the root. And then grow. In other words, watch this. The reason he says that have roots and grow is because you only gonna know the tree how. Not by the root. You don't know the tree by the root. Most trees, you ain't see the root. You don't even know the tree, watch this. Sometimes you don't even know the tree by the stalk. But when you get to the leaves and the fruit, that's how you know the truth. And he says that we, as Christians, have to be known by the fruit that we bear. It's okay to walk around saying you're a Christian. It's okay to have a bumper stick on your car, a God first hat, a Jesus t-shirt. It's okay to have all of that. But if watch this, Paul said, if we don't have love, he said we like uh, uh, wind chimes, tinkling cymbals and sounding brass. You just make it known. Hallelujah. So we need to be rooted, grow down into him, and let your lives be built up in him. Then your faith will grow strong. That's right. See, a tree that's got good roots, when the wind comes, the tree might bend, the tree might sway, the leaves might fall off the tree. Every now and then the fruit go fall off the tree when the wind blow hard. In a real storm, it'll knock the fruit off the tree. But if you got a good root, your fruit can grow back next season. But if you don't have a good root, if the roots pop up, there's no more hope for the leaves and the fruit. We gotta have a good a base, a good foundation, a good solid root system. It says, then your faith will go strong and in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thanksgiving. Only those of us that God is really blessing can overflow with thanksgiving. You know by the fruit you bear. Watch this, watch this. Right away, right away when we say that you know the tree by the fruit it bear, for the human being, for the Christian, when we say stuff like that, right away we thinking, does that person have a lot of money? Does that person have a lot of friends? That ain't the fruit is talking about. What fruit is talking about? Fruit of the Spirit. Huh? Fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit, that's right. We'll know the tree by the fruit of the spirit that you bear. Love, joy, peace. Amen, come on. Meekness, gentleness, kindness. By the fruit in that, not, not how much money you got, not your education, your degrees, not even your children, hallelujah. You're gonna be known by being a Christian in uh, St. John 13, 35 says, if you want folks to know that you my people love one another. Amen. Verse eight. He says, don't let anyone, okay, we, we're going to get to the good part. He says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies. With empty philosophies. The Greek word philosophia is where we get our word philosophy or philosophy from. And it has everything to do with metaphysics of Plato to the religious teachings of cults. In other words, you can go all the way to this extreme, all the way to this extreme with philosophizing. There's one place where Paul went, he said all they did all day long was sat around and philosophize. The thing was Athens, when Paul went to Athens, where they had a God for this, a God for that, and I, I fall out laughing because he said, y'all even got one that's called an unknown God. <laughs> You're serving a God you don't even know. Amen. So, which is funny to me, I'm a pastor, so that's, that's like a joke to me. So we have to be careful 
And I like using scripture. Because when I teach, I try to let the scripture speak for itself. I like going down scriptures. Very seldom when you're going to see me teach or preach with my Bible closed. Very seldom. Because I need you to see this in the Bible. Because a lot of people think that pastors up here making it up as we go. That's why it's imperative, uh, pastors, preachers, teachers, bishops, elders, deacons, it's imperative that we teach the people from the Bible. And not what we think and we feel and what our denomination says. Our denominational doctrine. So he says, uh, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies, watch this, and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking. Human thinking. <laughs> now there's such a thing, watch this, there's such a thing called the natural. That's what we have. Uh, the Bible says that the natural man cannot see the things of God. Uh, the, the word carnal is another word for natural or world. And as human beings, as human beings, excuse me, as human beings, without the Holy Spirit, we think naturally. We only think based on our education level and our life experiences. That's the natural thinking, only on your education level and your life experiences. That's all you know. You judge and base and critique everything off of that. But what but, but God is asking his people to do, Christians, he's asking us to be led by the unction of the Holy Spirit. One of, the, one of the titles of the Holy Spirit or one of the functions of the Holy Spirit is he will lead and guide us into all truth and righteousness. And he's called our teacher. He's called our counselor. Amen? So that's where we get our wisdom from. Not, not natural or human thinking. All, watch this, all from the spiritual powers of this world. I don't need to go to Madame Dora or Madame whatever her name is now. I don't need to go to her to read my poems. Hallelujah. I don't need to go play tarot cards. I don't need to play Ouija board. Amen. I, I base all, everything in my life, I base it off of the Bible. That's not being over spiritual or, 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 or holier than thou. That's trying to have a nice, decent, prosperous, healthy, rich life. That's, that's what I call it. Now, you can call it over the top, uh, over spiritual, holy roller, Bible beater. You can call it whatever you want. I don't care. I'm 58 years old. I ain't no, no doctor medicine. My body is in, in good shape. I run with 12, 13 year olds all day, every day. Hallelujah. And I, I mean literally run. I don't just stand there with my whistle in my mouth. Hallelujah. So if all of that comes in my mind, all of that comes in my relationship with God. I'm being serious. I've learned how to eat now, what I should be and shouldn't be putting in my mouth. Amen. Learned how to stay away from all that alcohol, drugs. Amen. All of that stuff is tearing us up on the inside. Our relationships are jacked up from the flow up. I'm trying to convince you it's worth being in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. But when you're still walking around with that worldly thinking and being led by uh, spiritual powers of this world, he says, rather, we should uh, be led by Christ. Verse 9, he says, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human, in human flesh. In human flesh. The Bible says that Jesus is the express image of God. Uh, let's go to Hebrews real quick. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. 
Let's go to Hebrews real quick. Let's start reading. Uh, we're gonna start reading right at verse one. Right at verse one. Amen. Everybody read Hebrews. Hebrews chapter one, verse one. Amen. Hebrews chapter one, verse one. The Bible says, "Long ago, God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets, and now in these final days, He has spoken to us through His Son." God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, he created the universe. Look at verse 3. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. You caught that? I like the way that, uh, King James says it. He says that Jesus is the expressed image of God. That's why Jesus told, I think, with Dr. Thomas or one of the apostles, they say, uh, how do we know the Father? He said, well, when you see me, you see the Father. Jesus is the expressed or the, the physical image of, of the Father. Amen. So he said in verse 10, so you also are complete through your union with Christ. Amen. So now, now this is the thing about those that's truly in Christ. We get the same radiance from God that he has. Look at what he says. Verse 10. So you also, everything he just explained about Christ, he says, so you also are complete through your union, your oneness, to be united. To the word union and united all mean the same thing. It means oneness. With Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Now, watch this. King of kings, come on, Lord of lords, amen. Uh, come on now. You see, Jesus is over everything. Now, remember we read in chapter in, uh, verse 1 that, uh, I'm sorry, the verse, what was this now? Nine. He says that Jesus is the expressed image of God. Jesus looks like God. Jesus talks like God. He thinks like God. Well, when we accept Christ, we get those same attributes. When God says that my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts, well, the Son knows. And when I'm in the Son, I know my ways can be like God's ways. My thoughts can be like God's thoughts when I'm with the Son because the Son is like the Father. And when I get when I uh, get into the family, when I'm inherited or adopted, that's that's Bible, words the Bible uses, inheritance and adoption. When I've been adopted into the family of God, I get to be just like the daddy. Why? Because I get to live with him. I get to see him every day. I get to see what he do in the morning when he wakes up. Hallelujah. Not, not that God sleeps, you understand what I'm saying? But I get to know God intimately through Christ. And and we we've been cautioning lately. And listen. I hope, but I hope that this is being taken in the spirit that is being given. But we have been cautioning lately here at Sabbath Rest and other ministries. We can't exclude God the Father, y'all. You cannot, it is not prudent or right for us to jump straight to God the Son. Jesus said himself in scripture that all on, he says, I came to do the work of the one that sent me. In Revelation, John tried to bow down several times. He said, I'm get up. I'm a servant just like you. Jesus did everything he did. I'm not trying to take nothing away from what Jesus did, is doing, and is going to do. But all of it is uh, started, initiated by the Father. Jesus ain't out here running willy-nilly doing what he wants to do, y'all. 
He's getting instruction from the Father. Everybody okay with that? I, I want to make sure that as we teach this at Sabbath, that it's being received in the same tenet that we're giving it. So we're not giving it trying to uh, uh, be smart at it or, 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 or put somebody down. We're really trying to wake people up to the truth so that we can get Jesus here the second time and we can all get this thing over with. But some of us so attached to the world, Jesus coming ain't really our true hope. Some of us so attached to the world. You still got to see your grandbabies grow up. Amen. I, I just got this job. I need to make a, a million dollars first. Man, you better let Jesus go and come so we can be rich in glory. <laughs> Amen. Verse 11. He says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a, a, a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. This is the new circumcision of the, of the New Testament. It's no longer the cutting off the foreskin. We cut off the foreskin on baby boys' penises now for health reasons, for health reasons. But it has nothing to do with a relationship with God. Amen. That's an Old Testament sign that he told uh, Moses, I think it was. You know, who, who he gave that command to? Moses? About circumcision? Circumcised all the baby boys on the eighth day. Was it Abraham? Amen. One of the patriarchs, I don't, want to, I don't want to commit to one right now, but he gave one of the patriarchs the command, you circumcised all baby boys on the eighth day as a sign of our relationship. That was with the old covenant. It's in the Bible, but it was with the old covenant. Watch this. And he didn't say do it throughout all generations. He didn't say it. So, we have to understand the circumcision that we have now in the new covenant is the circumcision of his heart, cutting away the callous skin. Now, only Jesus can perform that. But the, Now, when you cut away the foreskin of the penis, you take it to the doctor, and a human doctor does it. But a human doctor don't do this. Dr. Jesus got to cut away the, the callous skin, the hard skin, the dead skin <coughs> around our hearts. And you know we got it. An 18-year-old went to school today and shot up the place. Well, yesterday, it was somebody else went to school and shot up the place. We get shootings. We get murdered. We, I mean, it's going down, y'all. That was last, not last, not last Sabbath, but Sabbath before last. It's about to go down. It's going down right now, right in front of our faces. And I'm going to say it again before I close today. I'm going to say it right now. The house is on fire, and we're not even willing to put our own burning house out. We're not even willing to put the fire out our own burning house. I'm talking about the earth. The earth is on fire. And we as human beings have become so stiff-necked and arrogant and disobedient, we won't even put the fire out on our own planet. Won't even do it. Won't stop driving for a day. Can't stay off the cell phone. Can't stop going to these restaurants. Why don't we go to cooking at home and staying with the family and trying to raise the children? Amen, amen, amen. Verse 12, he says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him were you raised to new life because you trusted, now watch this, you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. See what I was telling you? It's all about the Father, y'all. God is doing all of this with and through and to Jesus. But it's all about the Father who is the orchestrator of it all. Don't forget that. When we pray, Jesus said that when we pray, we pray to the Father 
in his name. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 13. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Before we accept Christ and get saved, we still got the callous heart. Is this obviously, <clears throat> this is obviously a process, because tell the truth, tell, let's just be honest in the sanctuary. Some of us still got the callous heart after we saved. Your salvation ain't in what's questioned. Your maturity is in what's questioned. It's, in, it's what's in question. Not your salvation. Salvation is God's business. But when we become saved, uh, uh, Paul said this, he said, work out your own salvation and fear. In other words, you have to mature. We have to be able to mature as Christians. Don't be the same Christian you was in 1999. By 2009, you should have grown. By 2019, you should have grown. It's 2021 now. You've been saved for 30 years. Still talk the same, still dress the same, still going the same places, still doing the same stuff. Now, if, 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 if you cannot evaluate uh, that you're still in elementary school where you should be in college, let's mature in our Christian walk. says, then God made you alive with what? And with Christ. And when we get saved, we get a clean slate. He says in the Old Testament, he says, that it, it, when, when we get saved, God says it's like he throws our sins into the depths of the sea. He throws them as far as the east is from the west. We have been forgiven. Somebody needs to tell themselves that right now. I've been forgiven. You know, if, if every time you make a proclamation, and right after that, the devil can come right in and scoop it up. And, and then, you, you know, just over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I'm, I'm like the devil now. He's going up to heaven crying to God because you blame and stuff that ain't his fault. It's okay to, be, to rededicate. But to keep rededicating over and over about the same thing, I would say that you need to mature and you need to try a little more. Or, or watch this, let's be spiritual and honest. Sometimes that's just our thorn in the flesh. Paul said, I prayed thrice that God would take this from me. And God said, uh-uh, you keep that. Watch this. And, and when you read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 in its context, God said, you keep that because if you don't, you're going to become conceited, get the big head, you're going to think you all that. So sometimes God leaves us with uh, uh, predilections and proclivities because we'll start thinking we're perfect if we didn't have that thing that's still holding us down. So sometimes we need to mature, but also sometimes that's just your thorn in the flesh. Amen. Not, not giving nobody no excuse or no way out, but that's 2 Corinthians chapter 12 theology. Amen. So he says in verse 14, he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away, nailing it to the cross. He canceled the record. Amen. He canceled it. And watch this. We've been pardoned. <laughs> we got a pardon. We was on death row. You hear it? We, we didn't get no stay of execution. 
where they still thinking about doing it. They just got to go back to court or something. We ain't getting no stay of execution. We got a part. We get to get out of jail. We get to get off. We have been taken off death row. When we in Christ, we have been taken off death row. Look at what he said. Let me see what he said in the King James in verse, in, in verse 14. He says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Having wiped out. Now, now look at how the King James does say something a little different. Now the NIV gives you the implication that he wiped away our charges. The, the, a prisoner had been charged with some stuff and the judge wipes it all the way and tells you you can go home. Now watch the difference from what the King James says. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. He talked about getting rid of the law. See, in the King James, he's telling us the, the handwriting of requirements that was against us was the Mosaic law. He goes on further to say, which was contrary to us. And that, that's what Peter meant when he stood up in the Council of Jerusalem uh, in Acts chapter uh, uh, 13 or 15. He stood up and the Bible said he motioned with his hands and he says, brothers, why are we continuing to put the yokes around the brothers' necks? that we know that neither us nor our forefathers could keep. In other words, the handwriting on the, the, the requirements, the law requirements was against us. We never could keep them anyway. Peter said neither we nor our forefathers. So what he was really saying is, ain't nobody kept these laws for hundreds, hundreds of years. And we still trying to put around the yoke the, the necks of people. I would pose this question to myself today, to myself. Are you still continuing to try to put yokes around people's necks to make them serve God? I got to ponder that sometime in the past. Are you trying to put requirements on people? Because watch this. Just to be honest and truth be told, if I am, I'm biblically incorrect. Because, okay, let's keep reading. Watch what he's going to say. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Verse 13. You were dead because of your sins, because of your sinful nature, and was cut off in a way. Verse 14, he killed. Verse 15. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them public by his victory over them on the cross. In other words, we say this all the time at Salvation. When you become saved, that no way, no way does that imply that you'll never sin again. And that's what, that's what a lot of people teach and what a lot of people think. Once you become a child of God, you'll never sin again. That's not true. Once you become a child of God, once you accept Jesus as your Savior, you are no longer under the punishment and penalty of your sin. That's what he's saying here. The devil ain't got nothing to hold you over against you now. The devil can't hold no punishment and penalty of your sin again. Who are you going to go tell? God already knows. You already confessed. Jesus is your Lord. So the devil can't keep running to my, I'm going to go tell God on you. I'm going to go tell God on you. Well, go tell him. I'm already covered, bro. <laughs> That's when you can live a clean, uh, guiltless, a uh, guilt-free you can live a clean, guilt-free life when you're in Christ. Because Jesus has pardoned our sins. God knows that we sinners. We ain't fooling him. So when we accept Jesus, look at what he said. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and their authorities. The devil got no authority over you. Don't let the devil make you feel condemned and make you feel like you're no good when you sin. Jesus has covered our sins. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus has covered our sins, past, present, and future. God is not waiting 
until we sinned to cover each one. He covered them all at Calvary Cross. <laughs> Hallelujah. He covered them all at the cross. God is not in heaven with a pen and a pad taking notes, keeping score. No. When, G when, when, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible implies, the Bible says that he died for the whole world. Watch this. John 3.16, we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Watch this. God so loved the world. God so loved the world. When Jesus died for the whole world, you just have to accept it by accepting him as your personal savior. He died for the whole world. But you got to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. Now that's your part. God did his part at Calvary. Hallelujah. And what he did, he shamed the devil and all of his team in public with the victory on the cross. There's nothing else for us to do, y'all. Listen, living for Christ, living like Christ, is still all up to God, and that's why he left the Holy Spirit. It's still not up to you. It's up to the Holy Spirit now that lives in you. So now we get the caution, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. That's the caution we get. Because when we get saved, we accept Jesus as our personal Savior, we have the seal of the Holy Spirit, which, I was, which is our seal of our relationship with God. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, and he lives inside of us. He's that small voice that's telling you, no, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, do that. And when we learn to listen, then we can uh, live like Christ did. Hallelujah. And saying all of that, I need to say this. It is possible to be saved, to have the Holy Spirit in you, and to still sin every day. Same sin. It, it is possible. That's called grieving the Holy Spirit. And the book of Hebrews says if you continue to do that willfully, then there's no more sacrifice for you. Christ is our sacrifice. He's our sacrificial lamb. He says after you trample the blood of Jesus, ain't nothing else I can do, bro. It ain't nothing higher. God ain't, God ain't got nothing else better but his only begotten son to give. And if we keep on trampling over that, amen, verse 16, here we go. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink. See, quit trying to put rules and regulations on people. Or for not celebrating certain holy days. Or new moon ceremonies. Or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Now let me say this on that point. We're Sabbath keepers. We believe that the seventh day Sabbath is the day that the, what the Bible talked about in Genesis chapter 2. Where it says that after God did all he needed to do, he rested on the seventh day. And watch these two things he did to the seventh day. Genesis chapter 2, if you want to go find it. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, 1, 2, and 3. He blessed it, the seventh, he blessed the seventh day, and he sanctified it. And you can't find me nowhere in scripture where he did that any other day. Now, with that being said, you don't have to do that to be saved. You don't have to keep the Sabbath holy to be saved. The Sabbath is a health law. God gives human beings a rest day and a time to rest because our bodies need it. Rest is just as important as eating and drinking water. And some of y'all ain't doing that good either, so I understand. 
So you think you can eat pig and still not get high blood. You still think that. You on high blood pressure medicine, but you can't get it in your mind that you don't need to be eating pig. Hallelujah. You got hypertension. You stressed out. You got ulcers, but you won't take the rest day. Hallelujah. It's a health law. And if you don't want to be healthy, that's on you. But to say it as Paul has said it in the New Testament, nobody can come to you and say, if you're not keeping the Sabbath holy, you're not saved. Nobody can't say that. Nobody can't say that. If you don't, if y'all don't celebrate them holy days, y'all not saved. You can't say that. It's good to do it. I believe that there's blessings attached to God's holy days. That's the way we teach. That's the way I was taught, and that's the way I teach. There are blessings attached to God's holy days. They all lead to Jesus. Every last one of them holy days leads to Jesus. Every last one of them. And there's a blessing in observing them. In other words, the Bible says this. When you go read the holy days in Genesis 23, he says, make sure you teach this to your children throughout all generations. Why? So they can continue to reap the benefit and the blessing of it. And I'm going to add this. I'm going to add this. Now, I'm going to be messy. Now, I'm telling you, I'm telling you up front, I'm going to be messy. It's amazing how you won't keep God holy days, but you'll keep these pagan holidays. I said it. And I'm not one to go around telling people not to be keeping, uh, uh, doing Christmas, buying a tree, giving your kids gifts. I don't, I don't teach that. If that's what you want to do, do it. But do not be a Christian and put down what the Bible say and then go out in the world and hold up what they say. They got a name for that. There's a name for that. Don't want to do nothing the Bible say, but everything the world say, that's what we out there lifting up. We whooping it up just like the world. There's a name for those people. So all of these uh, uh, things men like to make up, there's a lot of there's a lot of made up rules in, in churches. Women women can't wear dresses. Women 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 can't preach. Well, I can get in a whole lot of trouble standing up here right now. I can call out a lot of y'all uh, fake little man-made conference uh, 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 doctrinal denominational. I can call y'all. I can call out some of uh, the, the denomination I came from too. I can call them out. Telling people if they don't keep the Sabbath, they're not saved. What about our other homies down the street? You don't, you don't speak in tongues, you ain't saved. Tongues is a gift. One gift out of a list of men. Amen? Just teach it right. <laughs> Verse 17. These rules are only shallows. Wait a minute. Verse 18. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or worship of angels saying that they didn't have a vision about these things. Well, if they had a vision, they the ones that, if it ain't in the Bible, now it's okay. I still believe that we have prophets in this dispensation. I know they got a lot of people that don't. There's a lot of people, uh, Paul gave the fivefold ministry gifts in Ephesians chapter four. He says, first there's apostles, there's evangelists, there's prophets, there's pastors, and there's teachers. There, there's people who don't believe that there's any more apostles, and there's people that don't believe that there's any more prophets. Now, why in the world you think the other three still here, and you don't want to? Believe? I don't. I don't look. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I believe I've been taught that there's still prophets. It's just they have to be biblical about their prophesying. You got to be biblical about your prophesying. 
Now, I can't say your prophecy got to be in the Bible because a prophecy is something future, but it should line up with Scripture. All the prophets these days, now, and I haven't met them all. Let me, re, let me rephrase that statement. The prophets that I have seen in my lifetime, in churches where I've been, you promising people cars and houses and husbands and money and Boy, go ahead. Verse 18 in the New King James. Verse 18 in the New King James. He says, let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels. Introducing into those things, introducing into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. That's right. That's right. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me be honest with, uh, with you about something. All y'all who know me already know this. I'm just revealing this to people who don't know me. Uh, I am an alpha male. Those are not popular in style anymore. But nevertheless, I'm from that generation to where I'm a man and I'm in charge. It's not in style no more. And as long as I'm doing it right, I should get the respect for it. Now, if I'm not doing it right, like a lot of brothers, don't put me in the category of a slug. I'm trying my best as a man to do those things that my community need. Not just my home, not even just my church, but my community. And if I'm holding up the bloodstained banner and trying to be a man like Jesus was, don't treat me like I'm a slug, like I'm one of these ones who don't want to work, who don't want to do nothing. And that's what's happening. I'm being treated like the average Joe, and I'm out here trying to take care of my world. Not because I don't want to say the world, because I ain't everywhere. But the the uh, uh, like, like like the prayer Jabez says, God didn't enlarge my territory, the territory He didn't gave me. I'm trying to be that man. But for everything that we come up with as pastors, we cannot put that on every member of the church. If you have a vision or God speak to you, and, and y'all know my perfect example. This is my perfect example. When I was a baby pastor, since we're Sabbath keepers, I felt that God asked me, since we were trying to be Sabbath keepers, and the Bible says don't do your own pleasure on this day. I stopped watching football on Saturdays. In college, I like college football better than the pro. So I would watch football on Sundays, but on Sabbaths, I wouldn't watch no college games till the sun went down. But not one time did I come into the church and try to put that on nobody else. Well, I mean, come on, let's have men's meeting. I think we should stop watching football on Sabbath. I can't do that. If I want to do that with my relationship with God, I can do that. If we want to be Sabbath keepers, we should be able to do that. Without going putting it on everybody else in the world, talking about, you know you ain't keeping the Sabbath, you ain't saved. That the Bible don't teach that. And if the Bible don't teach it, I ain't teaching it. Amen. All right. So let's go to verse 19. And they are not connected with Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with all of his joints and ligaments. And it grows as God nourishes it. Let Give people room for God to grow. If, watch this. If we trust in God, why are we always trying to manipulate everything? I mean, this is stuff I'm learning. I'm 58 years old. And I'm just learning in the last few years. 
You can't manipulate everything and try to get, you trying to arrange God's plan for him. <laughs> your hands ain't big enough, Jack. Put your hands down. Your hands ain't big enough to arrange my plan, God said. Put your hands down. So I'm learning how to put my hands down. And as I'm learning how to put my hands down, I'm learning how to sit down. And as I'm learning how to put my hands down and how to sit down, I'm learning how to keep my mouth closed. If we trust God, let God handle his children. I think it's Romans chapter 2. Uh, it starts off by saying something. Who are you to judge another man's servant? At the end of chapter 1 or the beginning of Romans chapter 2. After, after he talked about homosexuality, that's why I preached that sermon, leaving homosexuals alone. Because if you really, really read it all in context, after he gets through talking about the homosexuals, he goes into everybody else. He say, leave them alone. You, you, your, your sins ain't no better. Who are you to judge another man's servant? You better go take care of what's going on in your life. Amen. I'm moving on. Hallelujah. Verse 20. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. Ooh, see, now I've been talking, especially on the radio, I've been talking a lot about the unseen world and the angelic world. He's saying it here. The spiritual powers of this world. There's, there, there's things working in our lives, y'all, that we can't see with the natural eye. This is why it's so important that we be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, so why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as, I don't handle or taste or touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that's going to deteriorate right after we use them. Verse 23 says, these rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help for, they, uh, they provide no help in conquering a person's evil <coughs> desires. That's right. We can act as holy and righteous as we want to. We got a bad heart. God told Noah in Genesis chapter 6, he says, every imagination is evil continuously. So, uh, biblical teaching is what it is for me. Uh, we'll, we'll go into Colossians chapter 3 next week. Biblical teaching is, well, that's why I like to read it. That's why I like to read it. It's, and not just get up here and talk about it. Because in our effort, and we're living in a very, very uh, passive and, and, and tentative society. And people wearing their feelings, people used to wear their feelings on their shoulders. Now they're wearing them down here, way on their hands. Easy to knock off. We're ready to take offense over every little thing somebody says. So I'm going to just read it from the scriptures. That way, you really can, I know you're going to get mad at me anyway, but I already know it's not me. You got a problem with God. I know that now. I'm, look, I, I ain't a mature pastor yet, but I ain't, I ain't in elementary school no more. Hallelujah. So I don't take, I don't take all the little shots people like to throw at you. You know, all the little comments on Facebook. People like to text me little, 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 little comments. That, that, look, that don't even move me no more. Bible teaching is what it is. Because truth be told, half of what I just taught fit me too. So I got to go home and take it personal and reevaluate. Jesus is coming, and I don't know if you've been looking around the world, but he's coming soon. 
And I know with Peter, they said that we've been saying that for a long time, but boy, how much more can we take? So we want to offer Christ tonight. We don't normally do it on Bible study Wednesdays, but I want to offer Christ tonight. There may be somebody who's watching who's never heard it put this way before. And you come in to realize now that the trauma and tribulation you're going through in your life is normal. It's the normal life of a Christian to go through all type of trial and tragedy and tribulation. Read your scripture. These churches were under severe persecution. And if that's what you're going through, I want to help you ease that pain uh, because you feel like God is against you. But when you read the scriptures, a lot of times it's God that's doing it. You know what I'm noticing? You know what I'm noticing as we read word for word? You don't see the devil as much as you thought you would, huh? Because it's God doing a lot of this stuff, trying to straighten us up. I didn't say he was doing everything, but a lot of the stories in the Bible, if you slow down and read it, it was God sent that death angel into Egypt that night. It was God prepared that fish for Jonah. It was God who allowed his only begotten son to be hung on a rugged cross and die. Brutal. There may be one. You need to be in the family of God before destruction and devastation comes. I think the reason a lot of pastors not preaching revelations is because they really don't think it's real. They really don't think that there's a day when grace and mercy won't do this. I really think they don't believe it's a day when Jesus is going to come with all the glory and power. And he's coming. He's coming to destroy all of those that does not have the seal of God on them and that don't have on a white robe. We've been talking about it extensively. And someone may need to rededicate their life to Christ. We want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Father, in the wonderful, everlasting name of your son, Yeshua HaMashiach, God, that we come. We pray for your people right now, God. There may be someone, God, who needs to say yes to your son, yes to your will, and yes to your word. And there may be someone who needs to rededicate themselves, God. They've been sinning over and over, God. They've trampled over the blood of Christ. But, God, they want to come home. And we stand interceding for them right now, God, in the name of Jesus. You see the hands that's raised, God. You see the hearts that's opening, God. You see the tears that's flowing. So, Father, we thank you for your saving grace. Touch them right now, God. And we thank you for it. And as we prepare to leave this place, but never from your presence, God, we just ask that you would be with us, keep us, God, and have us to be ready when Jesus comes. It is in his holy and righteous name we pray. And all God's people say amen. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. That drive me out.